Hello, I'm Dr. Louise Newson, and welcome to my podcast. I'm a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity and the Menopause Support App called Balance. On the podcast, I will be joined each week by an exciting guest to help provide evidence-based information and advice about both the perimenopause and the menopause. So today on the podcast, I've got with me Taher Mahmood, who I've recently met, and I love talking to him because he's very respectful about the work I do. So it's always nice to get praise. But he's actually on a mission. I'm on a mission to improve the global health and well-being of all women. And he's actually bigger than me because he wants to improve the health of everybody by improving their bone health, which is incredibly important, yet very, very, very neglected. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be with you and understand all the stuff that you're doing as well. Yeah, so as many of you know who's listening, I didn't set up my career to do menopause. In fact, I wanted to do cancer medicine, oncology, and I did my hospital exams. And when I was in hospital, it was probably one of the first times I had ordered a DEXA scan, a bone density scan, and thought about osteoporosis because it was glossed over a bit when I was mm-hmm. at medical school. I did a pathology degree and we learned more about bone structure and pathophysiology then. And then I got a DEXA scan report and it was really quite hard to read there were lots of numbers and there were minuses and there were different scores and and I honestly felt really embarrassed I was just looking for the summary at the end to tell me what to do and over the years as a GP I have ordered a lot of DEXA scans and I've been really interested in it but also very interested in evidence behind it but guidelines as well because a lot of resources are very limited in the NHS obviously and understandably but a lot of times we can't order an investigation until someone's had a fracture. And Mm. I'm very keen on preventative medicine. So there's lots and lots and lots to unpick. And osteoporosis is incredibly common. So let me just hear, if you don't mind, just telling us a bit about why you're doing what you're doing and a bit about your past medical history, if that's okay, your career. Yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah, I'm a clinician, sort of general medicine, trained at King's Guy St. Thomas's. And I've been doing rheumatology for 20 plus years. And uh, I sort of got into rheumatology a long time ago. I had some interest while I was a medical student, but it wasn't completely planned. It's just how I ended up being interested in how the drugs work. And those drugs were rheumatology drugs. But I've been doing osteoporosis for approximately 20 years now. And it's a subject that I feel very privileged to be able to do something in, in that osteoporosis can be diagnosed at a relatively early stage. It's entirely preventable in our opinion. So we can't understand why anybody would go on to have an osteoporotic fracture because we can make a diagnosis at any stage of somebody's life. We can do a bunch of different interventions which would well, could establish the diagnosis very easily clinically and imaging such as DEXA. And then there are a bunch of interventions that uh, allow us to stop the osteoporosis and in fact reverse it in many cases. So our aspiration is to have a point in the future, 2040, where there will not be any osteoporosis on the planet. So, so yeah, we are sort of looking to collaborate and work with incredibly capable people like yourselves to help reach more people with information about the kind of things that might impact your bones, 
how you might try and establish a diagnosis, get the right help from your clinicians and look to you know deal with it if there is a problem and if hopefully there isn't then then you're all good and yes you're right in terms of you know getting a DEXA scan DEXA scan is very useful for you know establishing a diagnosis but also tracking response to treatment so I suppose stepping back a bit there's a couple of things just to keep in mind for your listeners one is that osteoporosis is affecting our bones and sometimes they may get the impression that you know once that happens or your bones are very fixed and solid and unchanging they're far from that. So our bones are very dynamic. They're changing rapidly. If there's any period of immobility, they lose. You lose bone quickly. If you have, um, you know, a bunch of other positive effects on the bone, then they get stronger very quickly. So the bones are super dynamic, and they're changing throughout our life. Just that balance changes after a certain period of time. So in women, particularly around the menopause, obviously this is an area that you're very devoted to and do incredible work. So around the menopause, about 5% per year bone loss can take place for about four to five years. And then it's about steady decline of one to 2%. But these figures can be adjusted drastically by lifestyle things, by other stuff that would minimize bone loss. And the main thing with all of this stuff is that it's these are measurable and then we can do different interventions to help improve stuff. So bones are dynamic. Osteoporosis is actually common, and we can touch on that, maybe affect one in 10 of us at least. But more importantly, something can be done about it, and we can reverse osteoporosis. So the idea of not making a diagnosis, not having any intervention, not having a plan to reverse is something that we find quite disturbing. But mm. we have this aspiration that in the future, there won't be any osteoporosis, so we won't need people like me as far as the osteoporosis part is concerned, and people will just be, you know, way better as far as their bones are concerned, and hopefully their other health issues will be better too. So, yeah, we feel very blessed in osteoporosis and that we've got a number of interventions that can help. But the message is still not appreciated that we should make assessments of bone throughout and regularly and assess things in detail and then put in place a set of steps that help us reverse if there is any osteoporosis. Yeah, and that's so important because I think osteoporosis just doesn't get the attention that it deserves, does it? You've already said it's very common. We know it's more common in women than men. The figures really vary and there are some people that have a higher risk of osteoporosis as well, don't they? So it can run in families. There are certain lifestyles that make osteoporosis more common if people drink moderate or large amounts of alcohol, if they smoke, if they're sedentary. But what are the rough figures then for osteoporosis? What's the prevalence? Yeah, so it is very common and it's sort of just in terms of age. So there's gender, more women than men. But in the UK, maybe about 2.8 million women and about 0.6.8 million men. So actually it's like one in four, you know, men are... It's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. But that's just osteoporosis. There's a similar amount that are osteopenic, Mm -hmm. maybe more. So osteoporosis, a World Health Organization definition, is about a DEXA scan reading. But a clinical indication of osteoporosis is somebody falls from a sitting position or a standing height and they break something, they have osteoporosis. And we get transitory osteoporosis at a bunch of different times in our life. So you deal with women and postmenopause women. So during pregnancy, people can get osteoporosis and sometimes it can be significant. I have many patients who have had fractures in their spine during pregnancy. If we're ill for any reason, you touched on some of those conditions. For any period where we're immobile, Mm. uh, that leads to osteoporosis. If we put an arm in a sling and don't move it, we get regional osteoporosis. So 
the main thing to take away from all of that is that bones are really incredibly dynamic, super capable because they're very strong. Um, they do many, many different functions. You know, all the bone marrow is in the bone, so all our you know immune system is contained within the bone. So bones are very critical to our health. The numbers are roughly three and a half million in the UK. Worldwide, there's probably about 700 million, but there's another proportion of patients who just don't have that definition, if you like, and but yet still have osteopenia. And actually worth keeping in mind, the most fractures that people will get, this is the fragility fracture, so sitting and falling or standing and falling. You could also get a spontaneous fracture. So I've got patients where they're just taking something out of the closet and they fracture their rib or they're leaning back and they fracture something. So it affects very many people one in five men and one in two women over the age of 50. So a lifetime risk of osteoporosis is very high. And the consequences are very significant. And because it's diagnosable, treatable and preventable, we think all of that is wanton. The little old lady that, you know, you and I might see walking down or the little chap, somebody walking down hunched over, a lot of those may be osteoporotic. And I feel responsible for that. So even though I'm maybe inarticulate or maybe you know, don't have a reach or an audience necessarily. This is why we want to make the case. We want to say those people should not exist, not on our watch. If we are the adults or we are the people with are able to make a plea or request and do things for ourselves and people around us, we want a world where there isn't this wanton stuff happening that is easily, you know, preventable. And if there is an issue, we can do a whole bunch of things to minimize. So the numbers are basically one in 10 for the whole population. And there's higher proportions in different conditions. Which is really high, you know, one in two menopausal women. And I read somewhere that, you know, one in three menopausal women experience an osteoporotic hip fracture at some stage. And looking at the cost of that, actually, an orthopaedic surgeon told me about five years ago now, so these figures are a bit out of date, that it was three billion pounds a year that was spent on osteoporotic hip fractures. And orthopaedic surgeons are sometimes, not always, a bit arrogant yeah. and over-exaggerate. So I thought, you yeah. know, million, not billion. And I went and did some research myself, and it really is. Is three billion pounds a year on osteoporotic hip fractures but yeah. a lot of people fall because they trip over a carpet like you say it's a very low impact fracture yeah. but for a lot of these people it's stopping their independence once they have a fracture or if they're immobile for a long period of time they might be more likely to have a urinary infection or a chest infection so the mortality actually is about 20 percent a year after a hip yeah. fracture so that's more serious than a lot of cancers. You know, if I was diagnosed with breast cancer tomorrow, most types of breast cancer are actually very treatable and the mortality figures are quite low. Yeah, 20% dead in a year after a hip fracture from a preventable condition as osteoporosis is huge. And we know a lot of people are walking around with osteoporosis. They haven't had their fracture yet. Mm. They haven't had a DEXA scan because they might not fulfill the criteria or it's very difficult often to get a DEXA scan. So they won't know. Mm. And a lot of people think, well, a fracture, that's something I can treat. Mm. But you and me have seen a lot of people, I'm sure, who have osteoporosis of the spine, which can be very, very painful. These little fractures in the spine, as you say, people become stooped and that can affect their breathing because you can't inflate your lungs as well when you're stooped over. Yeah. But also digestion as well. A lot of people have digestive problems and then mobility problems as well. And, you know, it's this sort of gradual nail in the coffin. You know, none of us 
really, I don't want to live for us to be a certain age, but I want my quality of life to be as good as possible until very soon before I die, really. Absolutely. And I, I've seen so many women, especially, but men as well with osteoporosis, and I'm giving quite strong painkillers to as well, because these women are in pain, then they get constipation from their painkillers, or they get nausea, or they, it's just this polypharmacy that occurs as well. So you're not just treating the osteoporosis, you're treating everything else. And so having anything to prevent is really important but if we don't know what we're preventing then mm. that's really difficult as well isn't it because it's yeah. not just an old age condition i one of my patients is quite young she's 34 and she's had an eating disorder for many many years and yeah. her periods had stopped because of her eating disorder she's very thin which is very common but if your mm. periods stop it means you've not got hormones and she's also an exercise fanatic like a lot of these people are very obsessive, they exercise all the time. She's had multiple fractures in both her feet. So she's in so much pain, but she can't exercise. And that's making her eating disorder worse. And it's just this one thing after another. And she's been back and forth to many doctors over the years with her no periods. And they've all said, oh, no, don't worry about that. Let's focus on your eating disorder. But actually, if she'd had some replacement hormones then it's likely that her bones would have stayed stronger. So I do worry about young people as well who have a risk of osteoporosis and some of the drugs that can switch off hormones. So we know some of the antidepressants can switch off hormones, yeah. but even some of the progesterone-only contraceptive pills, the implants um, and the injections actually can stop ovulation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, well, people are young and, and mobile, it doesn't really matter. But I do worry for some of those people. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I think those are really important observations. And uh, osteoporosis sadly affects people of every age. You know, I have patients in their teens even, and obviously mm -hmm. people who are older. In fact, the original osteoporosis was looked after by gynecologists, as you know. They saw people with amenorrhea who were having fractures and they were athletes or, you know, doing athletics and so on. So it definitely can be uh, any age. And so in terms of making the diagnosis, the clinical history is helpful and you identify some of those factors. And so people can search for these things themselves. So if anyone's had a fracture in their family or they're worried about it, they can do questionnaires. We set up this foundation. It's called sticksandstones.org.uk. There's a bunch of other sort of URLs, but that'll give you some risk factors. People can do a questionnaire and get a, an idea of what their risk is. And then they can return to do that questionnaire, which would give them a bit of a an adjusted score depending on you know how the risk factors might change and a DEXA scan is very important I know you're a great advocate of DEXA scans now there is some question about there's a lot of radiation it's too complicated to do it's costly to do all of those things are really not a concern and uh, the radiation is less than sort of being in a car for 10 minutes or something the operator sits with the patient in the same room so it's not that somebody has to be shielded and so on the DEXA scan it's very low radiation. It gives us actionable information about the state of the bones. And then we can do interventions and then see what the change of bone is over that period of time. So bones take a while to change in terms of you know when they're getting stronger or when they're getting weaker. So any intervention can be tracked over time. And really, it is helpful to get a scan because we can get a number and then we can make some adjustments and, and then repeat that number. We also have to do a whole series of other things. And I think the service that you provide, which helps people have information about the state of their bones before any issues develop, before any complications develop, before you know they have a fracture, is obviously very um, valuable. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot now, isn't there, even with the NHS is screening and screening for people in their 40s. And I yeah. 
I don't know about you, but I certainly feel that everybody, man and woman, should have a baseline DEXA scan. And I had one done when I was 45, just starting oh. to be perimenopausal. And yeah. actually, it was very reassuring to know that I was in the green and good yeah. to go. And I know, like you say, my bone density will reduce when I'm menopausal. Hopefully, it won't reduce as much because I take HRT. But actually, I could then, I mean, I do a lot of Ashtanga yoga, but if I needed to do more weight-bearing exercise or different exercise, that's the time that I should be looking and you know to see that rate of declines is really important as well or rate of improvement as well with yeah, you know yeah. lifestyle but also calcium vitamin d it's really important isn't it absolutely yeah and I, I think with all of these things you know it's like if there's a value or a, an interpretable information then you want to track it over time because mm. you know that can be really useful so in terms of is there a lot of radiation involved with DEXA there's not really a consideration is it a lot of time consumption no it's not it's not there's no complications from doing the DEXA. It's not you do some intervention and there's like 1% complication, which may be very serious. So, so in terms of time, the reliability of the result, actionability of the result, the effort to do it, you know, it's non-invasive and the cost is negligible. So it's a definitely worthwhile thing to do over time and also nutrition and vitamin D. And it's worth checking your vitamin D. I, I personally check my vitamin D three times a year and it does fluctuate and even though... I mean, I think we all vary a bit in terms of what mm. we do. And if we have a number, then we can use that number to adjust what we are, you know, eating or otherwise. And obviously, there's nobody more valuable on the planet than each one of us for ourselves. Yes. So, we you know, it's important that we invest a little bit of time and effort and, and sort of get whatever support that we need to, you know, continually gently improve ourselves, optimize ourselves. So, yeah, anything that uh, people can do to really get some numbers, get some details and understand exactly what's going on, I think would really help them. Which is really important. But actually on the NHS, we're told we can't do vitamin D levels. So that's mm. very difficult. And actually, I was doing a presentation for the British Society of Rheumatologists not long ago. And I was looking yeah. at the number of DEXA scans we have in the UK. And I compared it to other European countries. And we're really low, actually, really yeah. bad. And I know that just locally, our services are, are very limited for DEXA scans in the NHS and when I set up my clinic I as you know bought a DEXA scan and my finance director went mad because yeah. I'd already taken a big bank loan and she said what are you doing yeah. I said no this is really important for holistic care having a DEXA scan because also it's very difficult for people to access DEXA scans in the NHS so I did stick my neck out as you know and got one but it can be very difficult for people to access DEXA and so then that's very hard and we know all women who have early menopause so under the age of 40 they should all have a DEXA scan and we see a lot of women we've got about a thousand women with POI and most of those have not had a DEXA scan on the NHS and certainly they should have it regularly as well yeah. to make sure because there's no there's no other way I mean there's a lot of marketing out there for ultrasounds of heels or even a wrist one and they're not accurate are they? No, no, exactly. I think you make some really valuable points there. I think the thing in any sort of big system, you know, there's sort of inconsistencies or sort of stuff that's not quite optimal. So for me, I would put people on anabolic treatment if they have osteoporosis, get them all back to normal and, you know, let them live happily ever after type of thing. How the system's organized at the minute is that you have to have multiple fractures sometime before anything is done. You get the diagnosis, then you get the least effective treatment, maybe, which may have lots of tolerability issues and so on. And then you end up having a whole series of additional events. So you touched upon hip fractures. 
it's incredibly impactful. In fact, my father-in-law had one hip, then he had another hip, and then sadly he passed away. It is very impactful. You know, you lose your mobility, the pain. I will send you a link, which will just give you some graphic information how what the impact is, but you lose your independence. There's a whole series of effects. You have complications of different kinds, or you have that 20% mortality in the first year. So it's all serious and consequential. And think with osteoporosis, as you know, there are no symptoms. It's a bit like blood pressure. You have blood pressure and you don't know anything, very little. And then you have a stroke or a heart attack. And then you know you've got blood pressure. With osteoporosis, is you have a fracture. You have one fractured risk of future fracture goes up. Your mortality goes up. Your disabilities increase. You go into an institution. So hip fracture, quarter of patients don't survive the first year or so. And quarter have to go into an institution and half of them have a whole bunch of other disabilities. So this is why we think, and it's probably the most urgent problem in healthcare, in that, uh, you know, if we did a bit of prevention, do some simple things and prevent the whole sort of multi-decade sequence, which then ends up with all of that suffering and all of that cost. And yeah, the cost for osteoporosis, you know, touched on the figures earlier, it's at least um, $4 billion in the UK, sort of hip and others. And obviously, these figures are always out of date mm-hmm. because it takes a while to collate them. But globally, there's at least $100 billion spent on osteoporosis. Uh, but it's start putting a plaster on somebody who's already got multiple injuries. Yes. It's wanton. We took that money, or we took a bit of people's thinking and applied it to prevention, we would have a different world and a whole bunch of other things would flow from that. So that's why we're making the case of having people think more about osteoporosis for themselves, about bone health. And then as soon as they feel a bit more resourced and able to understand and navigate a few of the issues and then share it with some of their networks and so on. And if we do that network effect, then, you know, we can reach this message to every part of the globe. But, you know, I mean, if your listeners are able to help in any way, you're able to take some action. The only thing that uh, I would ask is that they just look at this for themselves and improve their own appreciation of themselves and what their incredible job their bones are doing for them. And once they have that sort of sense of awe, almost about themselves, then they can explore things around this and then maybe, you know, become a bit of an advocate for the subject to others. But it always starts with us as individuals. And then once we have a bit more capability, we can then spread it to others and so on. Yeah, and that's so important. So I think looking at, we've got the FRAC score, haven't we, to see what our risk is. So like you say, everyone's different. It depends on your family, on your ethnicity, on your family history, and also your lifestyle as well. And if you've had some diseases as well. So it's always worth putting in and even doing it on a regular basis. And then looking at ways, like you say, you can improve yourself. But then if you do fulfill certain criteria, then you can request a DEXA scan. And it would be worth really sticking your neck out for a DEXA scan and not going and having another suboptimal test like the heel or wrist scans, because they're not going to show you where the DEXA scan looks at your spine and your hips doesn't it and it's really important that it's done properly as well you know the position of the patient is important the type of machine but also the way it's reported is really important isn't it absolutely yeah so yeah just to emphasize the imaging diagnosis or the diagnostics for DEXA the only thing that's been validated and used in clinical trials and so on is the DEXA scan so and it's done relatively quickly and safely and cheaply other tests such as the ultrasound and so on they're not been validated and because you can have regional variations mm-hmm. you may have a, a number here and a number there but they may not be really correlating with a number in your spine or in your or your hip and because those 
fractures are the most consequential. It's important to get that number. But another sort of thing that might alert you to do something is that if you've ever had a fracture, such as a wrist fracture, wrist fractures happen about seven, ten years before you get your hip fracture. If you had a bit of back pain, you lost a bit of height, please go and speak to somebody. And, and if you need any, like, you know, somebody needs to help me, guide me, support me, then you can go to either the London Osteoporosis Clinic website or the sticks and stones and you'll get some stuff and you get some material that you can take to the mm-hmm. clinician and say, well, look, they're saying worry about or think about this issue because of these factors. I've got these factors. Can you help? So obviously everyone's maxed out everywhere in terms of the NHS or otherwise. But for each one of the people listening, there's only one of them. Yes. And they're the most important person for them. And really, please invest whatever, you know, training and thinking and stuff that you can do to really appreciate your own capabilities and build on those things. And then from our point of view, you know, anybody comes to us, they're like the most important person in the universe when they're, you know, in front of us and we do our utmost to support them and get them whatever assistance they need. So so I think, yeah, the NHS is challenging all the rest of it. But if you ask and, you know, share some information or take some of the material that we have and discuss that with your teams, I'm sure they'll do their best to support you. And if you do have to have these things done privately, well, you can get them done privately. But as I said, there's only one of any one of us. And if you have a hip fracture, it's going to take you out of your situation. I mean, my mum had vertebral fractures, in fact, and she was in hospital. There was a particular situation. So she was in and out of hospital. So an hour after work, I was driving to get to St. George's to see her because she was in the spinal unit. Then I was, you know, there for a bit. And then I was getting home and took me another hour. So about three hours a day, I was spending over a period of some weeks so if you look at the cost of all of that, the stuff happens to you, the people around you, the systems around you, and so on, it is entirely preventable. So mm-hmm. if something's entirely preventable and it costs a bit of time, a bit of thinking, a bit of sort of tooling up in terms of your thinking about the subject, you know, I think it's a good investment. Yeah, I am I think, a biased. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I think that's everything in medicine, isn't it? Is about prevention is better than yeah, anything yeah. else. You know, we we know how much strain the NHS is on, and the NHS is treating disease, but we really want to prevent it because it's short term pain, really financial mm. pain as well for longer term gain. And certainly, the synergy between menopause and osteoporosis is really, really important. It's very well established that HRT can reduce osteoporosis and even prevent it as well again with lifestyle too so Mm. I'm really grateful for your time and I hope those of you listening go to some of your resources that we're linked to in the notes and obviously we've got information on our website and the Royal Osteoporosis Society I've been working with them to improve some of their information especially with female health and menopause and hormones and osteoporosis so before I finish just to put you on the spot I always ask for three take-home tips so three things really just to increase awareness of osteoporosis what are the three things that everyone should be saying to themselves to increase awareness of osteoporosis yeah i mean my sort of biggest thing i suppose is always just for people to appreciate themselves so if i could suggest they might take a, like a couple of seconds or 10 seconds and just have a thought about themselves they're like they're awesome everybody's like incredible their biology and so on so your bones are incredibly dynamic. They're changing all the time. They're the source of, you know, a whole bunch of your sort of health and your longevity. So anything people can do to invest a bit of reading and thinking on the subject. So so your bones are very dynamic. The diagnosis of osteoporosis is easily established. It is commonly easily established and the treatments that can reverse it. But it's obviously better to prevent it. Absolutely. 
So great advice, really useful. And I look forward to seeing what we can do together. And we're also going to start to do some research as well. So hopefully you'll be able to come back in a year or so and report what we've been doing behind the scenes. So thanks again for your time today. It's been great. No, thank you. It's a privilege to spend some time with you too. Thank you. For more information about the perimenopause and menopause, please visit my website, balance-menopause.com or you can download the free Balance app, which is available to download from the App Store or from Google Play. Music